When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Friday morning to you as we come to an end of another week. It's good to have you along and it's good to see a nice sunny morning there. It is a little bit on the chilly side. I mean, temperatures hovering around nine degrees at the moment, but it's dry and we'll take a dry morning any morning. John Paul and Sadie are both taking your calls this morning. If there's anything you want to share with us, 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Yesterday, we did get some texts and calls in about electricity prices all going up as and from yesterday, the 1st of October. And it seems it's a double whammy for some in that everybody's electricity bill is going to rise from yesterday. And this is to do with the PSO, the Public Service Obligation Levy that all of us pay on our electricity bill. Before you flick a switch, the PSO levy is on your bill. That has gone up and gone up quite substantially Did I read somewhere it's gone up by something like 140% over what it was uh, last year? So that means an increase for all of us in our electricity bill. But then it depends on where you get your electricity from, what who's your provider. Some of the providers also increase their prices from the 1st of October. So it's a double whammy for some. And I think for the average family, if you're with the provider that's put up the bill and along with the PSO levy, your electricity bill could go up by as much as €90. Now that's across the full year. It wouldn't be month on month. It would be across the full year. But for people who are living on very, very tight budgets, €90, you know, might sound a lot to some people. For those on a tight budget, that can be a lot of money to find every year. So we're going to be talking about that on the programme today. And we've invited the price comparison website bonkers.ie to join us, uh, Dara Cassidy. And he always gives great advice and particularly to people who maybe have never, ever changed their electricity provider. They are still with the same electricity provider from the day they moved into their house and they have never considered switching. And switching, honest to God, is so easy. I did it myself a couple of years ago now and I was doing the interviews like the one we'll do today with bankers.ie and listening to how easy it was. And I'm saying, well, I've been, been a bit hypocritical here because I've never done the switch myself. So I remember one day after Dara being on the programme going home, I said, OK, let's take a look at our electricity charges. Let's go on to the website. Let's do a comparison with the different companies. 
and I discovered I could save a lot of money if I changed and there was a variety of different options for me so I picked the one that I said okay we'll go with that particular company it was a new company I'd never heard of them before and I said let's see how this works and it was the smoothest transition it was a click of a few buttons and uh, it was all done I didn't have to contact my old provider they were contacted for me didn't have to cancel a direct debit that was cancelled for me didn't have to set up a new direct debit that was done for me couldn't be easier and the advice I think and I'll check this with Dara I think the advice is you then sign in for it's usually a 12 month contract and I think the advice is that every single year kind of write it up put it up in your calendar make a note in a diary that you need to the month before start looking at the price comparisons again because for whatever reason the electricity companies they don't seem to reward loyalty wouldn't you think if you were with the company for 20, 30, 40, 50 years wouldn't you think they would be rewarding the loyalty but they don't seem to do that they only seem to reward new companies and it seems to be the same with not just electricity companies it's the same with phone providers it's the same with whoever you get your TV channels from I don't know what it is all these offers are for new customers and then they forget about the loyal customers which seems to be a bit unfair so the way of getting around that is to switch so we'll be talking about that on the programme today but I mentioned it because as I say there was a number of particularly texts in at the end of the programme yesterday saying was I aware that electricity was going up I was we just didn't get to it yesterday but we will get to it today and today I think I thought was going to be the day where we would be holding our breaths and waiting for Micheál Martin to address the nation and to address us in Cork later on this afternoon by saying Look, guys and gals are moving you from level two to level three we weren't in the only counties with high infections Galway, Roscommon and Monaghan were all expected to move to a level three. But instead, we Neffet, the National Public Health Emergency Team, has introduced a nationwide clampdown on household visits. Now, this is to be in place for the next three weeks and they are calling for people. If you're having visitors to your family home, you need to reduce the number of people that come to your home at any one time. And they're saying to reduce it to a maximum of six people. But those six people must come from one household. That was the recommendation from Neffet yesterday. There wasn't a recommendation to move any of the other counties from level two to level three. The government formally accepted the recommendation and the public now have been asked to adhere to the new uh, rules. The Health Minister Stephen Donnelly warned we need to do everything we can to avoid moving the entire country to level three restrictions. He said in that vein, Neffet has recommended no more than two households should meet at any given time. Uh, Stephen Donnelly went on to urge the public to follow both the letter and the spirit of the public health guidelines. Neffet, in a statement, said there continues to be a number of counties with particularly high rates of new cases. But they said their main concern now is the overall national picture. They said the five-day average of cases is now 412 and 18 counties, including our good cells here in Cork, have seen uh, incident rate uh, increase compared with last week. Neffert warned the reproduction number. Now it's between 1.2 and 1.4 and that is leading to a growth rate of cases of between 4 and 5 extra 
4 and 5% every day. Also 119 people in hospital there, the ones we really need to worry about. 20 are in critical care. And of course, uh, yesterday we got the overall figure for the month of September, 32 deaths across the month of come September. And remember yesterday when I think it was a twi- was it was a 28 yesterday because it was four announced yesterday and we were waiting just for the last day of September to get the final figure for September and I was saying let's wait and see because we knew it was going to increase beyond uh, 28 and but I said bear in mind that for the whole month of August we only had four people died due to COVID-19 four too many I know but to go from four deaths to 32 deaths the following month the latest the latest Department of Health statistic this is where they are doing the map is back out again where they look at the local election areas and they tell you the number of cases for the last 14 days they're showing that the Donegal area of Lifford has jumped from an incident rate of 336 to 602. Now that's per 100,000 and that's just since last week. That is a doubling of cases for that one area in Donegal, bearing in mind that Donegal had moved from level two to level three, but I suppose the statisticians will tell you it takes a couple of weeks for the effects when they bring in new restrictions. It'll take a few weeks for that particular county to see the benefits. Um, Next on the list of high that they're worried about, Selbridge in County Kildare. Their rate shot up, as did Kimmage Rathmines in uh, Dublin. And uh, after Nefford made their announcement yesterday, Professor Sam McConkie, he was asked for his comment on yesterday's decision. And Sam McConkie said the request to people to restrict visitors to their home to no more than six uh, people. He says that's key to reducing the spread of the virus. He said if everyone followed what they say, then he said we would be fine. But he said the challenge now is to get everyone to follow the guidelines. However, he did say if this does not work, then Neffet will have to look at escalating restrictions. And he said that'll be in a week or two because it says it takes a week or two for any new restrictions to work. He thinks the strategy of the government right now is to keep the schools open, is to keep the businesses open as far as possible and then gradually increase the restrictions that won't damage uh, businesses. He said they quite rightly want the economy open for the most part. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why, again, they're giving us here in Cork and the other counties with a rising number. They're giving us a chance. They're just saying to us here in Cork and to people all over the country, limit the number of people you are meeting across next week and three weeks they're putting this in place that you can't have anybody visiting your house. No more house parties is really what they're what they're trying to, to get to. And I was also listened with interest to the Thornish Thadir of Varadkar. He is calling for less focus on the rate of new cases particularly when Neffet and the government decide what new restrictions to impose. He says there should be more focus on the rate of deaths, the rate of hospitalisations and in particular the number of people who end up in ICU. He He's looking to what other countries are doing and he said Belgium is the most recent example. In Belgium they no longer use the case numbers to make decisions on restrictions on policy. Instead they look at hospitalisations, ICU capacity and deaths and that to me actually makes a lot of sense because if you end up with a huge increase in numbers 
say in the 15 to 24 age group uh, and we know for a fact that that's the age group actually that has the rising numbers at the moment but that's the age group that is least likely to get very sick from COVID-19. They're the least likely to end up in hospital, to end up in ICU and you know thankfully they're also the least likely to die from this condition. I mean the worry is they get it, it's who they pass it on to, will they pass it on to granny or, or granddad. So I can see what Leo Varadkar is saying if we end up with huge spikes in the younger people getting COVID-19 as long as they act responsibly and then don't pass it on to the older generation we won't end up with a huge number in hospital we won't end up with a huge number in ICU and we won't end up with a huge number of deaths and other countries are starting to wake up to that and in in particular Belgium are and he's saying maybe that's what we need to do maybe we need to look at it here but there's been a number of there was a number of cases highlighted yesterday just showing how how contagious COVID-19 is and what, you know, what a vicious, vicious disease it can be. And they were speaking yesterday, one of the public health specialists was out giving, and I think these are really good when they start giving examples of, without naming individual establishments or schools or whatever, but they give, just to give examples of how easy this disease can spread. And I think by doing that, by highlighting it, I think it sends the message out to somebody if you end up with symptoms, self-isolate until you get the test. But if you are contact traced to say, yes, you have been in contact with somebody who has tested positive for COVID-19, you must self-isolate for the next 14 days. It is so important if any of us get the, that call. We'd all dread getting that call, but we must adhere to the guidelines. We must adhere to self-isolating because if we don't, we could be breeding the disease without even realising it. We can be sh- spreading it without even realising it. And it's just so easy. It, all it takes is one are two people who have COVID-19, don't realise they have it and they go on to spread it and pass it on to so many people. One person, for example, who tested positive for COVID-19 ended up infecting 60 other people and it was a a chain of transmission. The case was one of a a number of real-life episodes that were cited in order to try to get the message across. It was a public health specialist in the Midlands and told a HSC briefing yesterday Well, they couldn't go into the details of the case but they were aware of this one person and it was an example how this one person failed to reduce their contacts, failed to observe the rules on, on physical distancing and mask wearing and then it led to a research in the virus in that particular area, I'm assuming somewhere in the Midlands, but one person leading to 60 other people being infected. And then the case I think a lot of people are talking about is the case that spread between two children in a classroom and it turned out they swapped desks because one wanted to be nearer the blackboard. Now it seems the first pupil was infected within their own family but the second child who tested positive in the same class was a mystery because there was no evidence of a connection between the two. They were at opposite sides of the classroom. They hadn't mixed in any way. They weren't friendly outside of school. They hadn't been mixing say in the playground. They hadn't shared lunch or anything like that. But then a teacher was be, was able to provide a clue when the teacher realised that a couple of days previously, before the little boy or the little girl had been diagnosed with COVID-19, she remembered that these two children had swapped desks so that the child at the back of the class could be closer to the blackboard and obviously they were at opposite sides of the classroom and they swapped desks and they're now believing that the virus may have been passed on through an infected surface on the desk. Really what should have happened there was that desk 
both desks, if they were swapping desks, should have been sanitised and then let the children swap desks and the hand hygiene and all of that. And that's what they believed. That's how they believed that particular case was passed on. And then there was another case to do with two family members uh, who were infected or who went along the, it was, this was to do with them attending a funeral now I did read they shouldn't have even have been at the funeral the numbers at the funeral was wrong but they then went on at the actual funeral themselves one person went to this family funeral and they spread it to five people at the funeral but then they went on to a meal in a restaurant and because they then tested positive they contact traced everybody who had been in contact with them at the restaurant but it meant that a third of the staff uh, were deemed close contacts and it meant that they were then out of work for 14 days I don't know whether they got the they got it or not but it affected them in that they would have to have had self-isolated for 14 days so they're just trying to show how people who either have COVID-19 and don't realise it or people who are told to self-isolate and just for whatever reason decide, oh, sure I don't have it, I might as well go out. And somebody else is talking about there's a case here of a cafe in Cork where it's said one person caused 57 cases of uh, COVID-19 and a listener from West Cork is saying Patricia, do we know the name of the cafe in Cork that led to the 57 cases? Surely says this West Cork listener, the public have a right to know. God knows knows how many more will get it. Maybe thousands. How, how can we get the name and address of this cafe? I think this is just terrifying. Thank you, New Petition West Coast Listener. Will you never get the, the information? I'm assuming locally, wherever that cafe is, people will know because obviously people who've been in the restaurant who were contact traced to them went on to get COVID-19 will have worked out always oh, because we were there on Saturday night or there on Friday night. So locally it will go around, but you will never get that information from Neffert. You'll never get from the Department of Health even if we were given the information here at the radio even if we were told 100% the name of the restaurant we wouldn't be talking about it unless I suppose the restaurant themselves decided or the cafe themselves came out so I can't point you in the direction of anywhere where you can go to get that information John Paul will be joining us later he'll go through the different local electoral areas we'll compare it to last Thursday to see how figures and where figures are rising in what part of the city and county The outbreak in the classroom and the students swap desks uh, in order that somebody could be near the whiteboard and they reckon that's where that's how it was transmitted from one to the other. A listener says the air in the classroom knows no bounds. Either the children are not in two metre sterile bubbles and when windows can't be open in colder days communal air will then be circulated for the day. Masks are no masks. Are we going to see a lot of cases spreading in schools in the winter months? I have heard. Uh, Thank you for that. I know we've been told well-ventilated rooms is the best way and particularly for schools and I did hear some of the experts come out earlier on saying, you're right, when we get to very a few very chilly mornings, I don't know how I'd like to be sitting in a classroom with a window open. They were saying, you know, get the pupils, leave their coats on, put on a woolly hat, stay warm in order to keep the the classroom well ventilated. Now, in the wilds of winter, I don't know if that is going to happen or not. Only time will tell. And the... 
the new restriction that's been put on all of us that we're only allowed to have one person um, a nationwide clampdown on household visits for the next uh, three weeks we've been asked to limit if you're having a visit to your family home it's to be reduced to a maximum of six people and they must all come from one household and that's in place for the next three weeks it'll be looked at again in three weeks this text says three weeks question mark it should be longer because if you th- if you look at the calendar, three weeks will take us up to the last week in October, which means if they remove it after three weeks, then it won't be there for Halloween. This That's what this system is talking about. It should be longer. How many households do you think will end up having Halloween parties if they can have more than six people from one household? Shops are bombarding us with Halloween costumes and other party items. You're hardly going to wear a Halloween costume around the house, are you? Like everything else, COVID will be forgotten about for one night i.e. the 31st of October. Families will gather along with their children and there you have it, we'll have another rise in uh, cases. And I just checked in with John Paul because for the NEFIT meeting yesterday, we were told last week that one of the items on the agenda was going to be guidelines around trick-or-treating because families are already starting to say What are we going to do about trick-or-treating? Some are saying, and we discussed it last week on the programme, some are saying that children have had a tough enough year this year. And for God's sake, would you let the smallies go out, calling door to door, getting their few sweets and their bars of chocolate from their neighbours, let them go out trick-or-treating. Other people said absolutely no way will they be bringing their children out or will they be allowing their children out. We heard from some families who said, some people who who didn't have children, but would always give sweets to children when they called it Halloween, saying they're not going to be doing it this year. Others were saying, can't wait for the little ones to call. It's kind of a highlight of the year. And then people were saying, look, you can do it by social distancing. Should they want the children to be wearing masks? even though those masks all have a hole where the mouth area is. So I don't think they're going to act as a way of stopping anyone spreading COVID-19. So there certainly is very mixed views around Halloween and around Halloween parties and trick-or-treating. But that listener is right. If this restriction on visits to houses remains in place for just three weeks, it will be lifted in time for Halloween. Will that open the floodgates? Will that mean that families will decide just to have lots of people around and that they will end up having Halloween parties? And what kind of problems is that going to present? And could we see a rise in cases because of it? Again, only time will tell. 1850-333-103 And I'm asking John Paul to check into this. A WhatsApp has come in from a listener saying Hi Patricia, there are there was five of us heading out to meet at a restaurant tomorrow night. One of the girls has just contacted us to say, Oi, we can't meet tomorrow night as the five of us all come from five different households. My friend has said that the one household rule also applies to pubs and restaurants. Is that right? Because I can't find that answer anywhere. Now I've asked John Paul to uh, he's going to join us. He, I've asked John Paul to look into this because I was um, I, I, I was looking it up and I couldn't couldn't find if it does apply. What I was looking at was only households. Uh, so let's let's just see if uh, John Paul has looked it up. Does it apply? To, um, morning, chair. Does it apply morning. to people going to? Yeah, well, I, what I did was I checked the HSC, but also yesterday evening, Dr. Ronan Glynn spoke to Katrina Perry on 6 1. So I just give a quick uh, watch to that particular interview. And from that, what he has said is that based on the advice they've said issued yesterday evening, uh, first of all, having only one other household to one's home. 
That's the way they phrase it. And then he said, if people are meeting up at a bar or restaurant, they should only meet up with people from one other household at any one time. So our listener, your friend is right. You ain't all heading to the restaurant tomorrow night. So the there's five to go from five different uh, households. So one person can meet one. You're going one, to have yeah. to meet your four friends one night from one each, other each, each week. OK, yeah. thank you yeah, for that. So. That's clar- clarification on that. Uh, thanks a million, uh, John Paul. And when we were talking about schools and the windows being left open for ventilation, the texter says, my son went off this morning saying he has to leave his coat on in the classroom as he sits by the window and he was frozen all week. 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. While we wait, as I say, if it were to issue guidelines, and I'm, I'm assuming they will closer to the time, but there's a suggestion in from a listener, if you are nervous about little ones calling to your house, if trick-or-treating does go ahead, maybe a note on the door saying no trick-or-treaters, please, due to COVID-19. 1850 Now, with the rising number of COVID cases here in Cork, many people were very concerned that Neffet were yesterday going to recommend to the government that part or all of the county would move from level two to level three. Thankfully, it hasn't happened because if level three was introduced, it would mean further restrictions and one of those restrictions would include the closing of pubs, which, bear in mind, only reopened last Monday week. Uh, Joining me once again, Michael O'Donovan, Chair of the Cork Branch of the Vintners Federation of um, Ireland. Uh, Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. uh, Firstly, uh, how relieved are you and the rest of your members today? Oh, it's extremely relieved because, um, look, I suppose Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, even into yesterday, we were very worried because, look, we didn't know whether stock would have to be reordered and what would happen with staff. It was a major concern. So once we got the news, um, I suppose around three o'clock yesterday when it was uh, announced that um, no counties were moving to level three, it was a major relief. Um, And I suppose for staff, really, because... You know, they have mortgages, they have uh, families, lots of them. Um, The uncertainty of whether they'd be working into the weekend or next week or anything, it was a huge concern. And I suppose for us personally, publicans, we had spent a lot of money, I know myself personally, and talking to lots of colleagues, restocking our bars last week with stock. Um, We'd spent a lot of money, filled our fridges. If uh, if it had come to pass that we were closed, um, we would have been financially out of pocket because a lot of that stock would not have been able to, uh, we wouldn't be able to do anything with it. So it would have been a major uh, headache. Now, we, we still, I suppose we still have the worry of us maybe going forward. But look, at least we've another weekend to get through and, um, and I suppose sell some of this stock. So at least it, it's, it's positive in that news. Yeah, because it was this day last week that we were waiting on the news for Donegal and it was speculated that it was going to move to level three and then the announcement was made and it was from midnight that night so it would have been from midnight tonight there's a very short lead in isn't there when they do go from one level to the next level it is it's very short and look uh, I suppose look for most of us our deliveries come during the week and at the early part of the week for the vast majority of publicans here in Cork would be getting their packaged beers so, like, we would have been stocked up, really, on Monday, 
Tuesday and then waiting until <clears throat> excuse me until Thursday to hear the announcement. Um, you know, you gear for each week. So if you're losing out on uh, Saturday night and Sunday, it would be look. It, it's it's a major loss to your to your week's trading. But look, we understand public health, as we've always said, is the most important thing. But there, look, we're just so grateful today that uh, we didn't go to level three. And hopefully, please God, here in Cork, we can stay in level two so that we can all stay trading and people can get out and socialise and enjoy themselves. But it's up to everyone, isn't it, Michael, to adhere to the rules and the regulations and the guidelines. I mean, I know I was reading during the week, uh, City Councillor Des Cal, you know, he was saying it's a minority of Cork residents that he said he was accusing them of partying the city into level three. If we go into level three, it'll be it'll be because of a, a minority. The majority are abiding by the guidelines. Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, I suppose being coming from the pub sector, we are so reduced in our capacity and I think people have seen it now in the week that we are open. Uh, the vast majority of pubs are absolutely following the guidelines and look, it has been proved by the HSE because when there has been a case, as we've seen in Cork City um, last week, we have such good contact tracing. Uh, we all have the books. It's very easy for the HSE to go back and track everybody. So look, the vast majority of publicans are, are really following it. And to be fair, the public are working really, really hard with us in that. Um, look, some, look, in my own instance, I've had a man come in, he didn't have a mask, I had a spare mask. You say, you say it to him, he takes it. Uh, and like everybody follows the guidelines. It's, it's, it's just great to see that they're all working with us. And as, as you said, it's only a very small minority that are, I suppose, uh, going against the guidelines and uh, hopefully the small minority won't ruin us for the for the vast majority. And out of interest, Mike, and nobody has ever had any problem with giving you their telephone number for contact tracing? <laughs> well, no. The only thing I've come across in the 10, 11 days that we've been open, one elderly man has no telephone, oh. no mobile phone, oh. but he was very happy to give me his home address. I and he said, if anything happens, um, he said, that's my home address. It's the only instance that yeah. I've had every person that's come through the door has either given me the landline or given the mobile phone, barring that, that one man because he, he doesn't have a phone. Yeah, so nobody's saying you're breaching my civil liberties Why well, I'm not giving you my phone number, no. which, is, which is for everybody no. sees it for, for what it is. For what it is, And yeah. you, have to, you have to hold that information for 30 days, is it? 28 days. 28 days, okay. For 28 days uh, in a secure location, obviously. Okay. So we keep it in our safe every... Uh, every time we fill the contact sheet, it goes into the safe. Um, the contact sheet holds about 15 names at the time, so that goes into the into the safe then for the 28 days that we'll be, re- be required to hold it. For if there is anything happens, as I said, the HSE then can trace everybody that's been in the bar at that time. Such a strange way to do business, isn't it? We, did we ever see the day that we'd have to walk into a bar and give our name and a contact telephone number? Yeah, no, it's it look it's very very new for us. We're learning it as well and the public and as I said, thank God uh, the public are working really, really well uh, with us on it. I think the hardest thing from a publican's uh, point is, you know, last Saturday in particular, Friday and Saturday was the first uh, weekend that the wet pubs uh, that term uh, were were opened and it was just so difficult when when we've such reduced capacity and um, look we were full, you know, from four o'clock on most of the rest of the day and regulars and people coming to the door and you having to say, sorry, we just have no tables, we've nowhere to 
to put you and asking them, you know, maybe try again in an hour's time or yeah. come back. It's just so hard to 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 say that to people when you when you look at your bar and compare to normal time, you know, your bar is practically empty. Um, and it's it, like talking to colleagues. That's the real heartache. That's the real hard part saying it. But look, we understand this. It's 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 for keep us all open trading at a smaller level is better than us being closed but I know. it's just so tough to do it and uh, it goes against everything that a publican would hold in your heart you know to, to bring people in to entertain them to mind them enjoy for them to enjoy themselves but it just can't be done at the moment um, but it, it's still it's just so difficult to tell the people sorry there's no room we can't uh, we can't accommodate you at this particular time and the, the, I mean I don't want to know your profit margin Michael but is it financially viable for you? <laughs> Yeah, look, I I can honestly say last I'm in a very privileged position that I don't have a, a mortgage or I don't have a, a rent to pay. But um, yes, like even doing the as I say, doing the sums from last week, it's um, it's a case of we didn't actually break even last week hardly um, in in what we did. So it's uh, long term, I suppose we're lucky. Look, I suppose our bar has been there a long time. We can go with it, but. Um, when you're when it's a small bar, it's really really difficult mm. even to break even. Making a profit is gone out the window. It's just a case of look, we're kind of a community bar, so a lot of the regulars have been in last week, and it's great to see them coming in and chatting and mingling. The vast majority of them, it was six months as they all said since they were in a bar. So like we've a I suppose an onus on the community to to get them out and get them uh, you know interacting again. So. Uh, we take that part of it, I suppose, uh, very important, as a lot of the bars around uh, the county would be in a similar position. So it's uh, it's not all about, I suppose, making money, but it's just about survival at the moment. OK, and an issue that we're trying to get clarity uh, on this morning was the government announcing yesterday via an effort of visits to family homes to be reduced to a maximum of six people. And John Paul checked this out and said that Ronan Glynn also said that if you're going to a pub or a restaurant for a meal, you should only be meeting up with one other person or if you're meeting a group in a group of six, they should all be coming from one household. Have you got clarification on that? No, we've been seeking clarification since uh, just after five o'clock yesterday evening on that. Um, he, he, he really said it in the six o'clock news I suppose yesterday evening uh, we've been look default Ireland guidelines as are stated on their website I, I just checked them there now 10 minutes ago again I checked them this morning as well um, they're still as of the 21st of uh, September the day that we opened they have been updated or right, twice since then but it's only technical updates there's been no updates since yesterday on what uh, Dr Glenn has said so, um, and that guy, and up to when you opened, you were allowed, six people were allowed from three households. From three households, yes. Yeah. That's what okay. it currently states and it has not been changed on default Ireland guidelines for pubs that are open since the 21st. Now, uh, we, we're, we're seeking clarification as well on it, so we hope to have more during the day, but um, these guidelines are in place for today anyway because mm-hmm. pubs are open at this stage now from 10.30, so... These are the guidelines from opening time today. So whether it will change uh, going forward, we have to wait and see. But as I'm talking to you now, the guidelines are are the same as as, as they were on the 21st of September. OK, all right. So a sigh of uh, relief and uh, press on regardless, uh, Michael. And are you looking forward to a busy weekend? 
Well, it, it's it's it, it's a funny situation. Yes, it, it's it's busy, but it's it's a busy in a new way. Uh, like you, you have to do all table service, but your numbers are so reduced. It's uh, what, like if we went back to February, we'd say this would be an unbelievably quiet weekend. But the way it is now, it's going to be you know a busy weekend because people will be will the bar will be full to its capacity as most of the bars will be around the the county. Um, but it's very reduced the capacity, so it's uh, it, it's strange in saying that you're busy, but you're not busy at the same time. I know. Okay, listen, we'll speak again, uh, Michael. In the meantime, thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning morning. to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Michael O'Donovan, who is chair of the Cork branch of the Vintners Federation of Ireland. As I say, I thought we were going to be doing a much different interview with him today. I thought we were going to be announcing the closure of the uh, pubs from midnight, but they've got a bit of a reprieve. How long it's going to last, um, I don't know. Somebody says, Patricia, when they talk about... um, a maximum of six people from one household. Does that mean you can have six different people in your house on different days? Well, you can if you want, but what they're talking about is gatherings. If you are inviting six people to your house, they have to all come from one house. But if every day of the seven days of the week, you have seven different friends coming from seven different households that you want to bring to your house, you can. But bearing in mind, they are saying to us, we need to be reducing our social contact, our social contact tax. The six people from one household, we know what it's about. It's to reduce house parties. 1850-333-103. This is Court Today. Court Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Listener was on earlier saying, how, how do I fa- find what this listener says, my house code? What she's talking about is her air code. If you have access to the internet or a smartphone and if you... Google Aircoat. Go on to aircoat.ie. Very simple to do. You just fill in your full address and then they will give you back. It will give you your Aircoat. Now, if you're still having difficulty and you put in the details and you're not getting your Aircoat, there is a telephone number you can ring. It's customer care at Aircoat and Aircoat is E-I-R-C-O-D-E. You can email them hello at aircoat.ie or you can call them 0818 300 there's also a Dublin number 01901 2232 01901-2232. but the easiest way is if you have access to the internet and just go on aircode e-i-r-c-o-d-e aircode.ie now John Paul joins me in studio morning to you John Paul morning again and this is to do with the latest Department of Health Statistics which has the map and they update the map they're now updating it every Thursday aren't they? they've guaranteed that every Thursday that. afternoon they update, they update. And they go through all of the different electoral areas and they say in the last 14 days if there have been new cases in that area and over the last couple of weeks we've been bringing John Paul in every week he crunches the numbers and it gives us an indication based on the daily cases that we were calling out for Cork everybody was wondering where are those clusters where are those cases coming from and this gives us a rough idea of the geographical spread across Cork City and County of those numbers OK you want to start in West Cork Yeah and, and again these are from the 15th of September to the 28th 
of September. The confirmed case is starting in the Bantry area and again this area takes in Castletown Bear, League. you're talking about the Mizzen and Bear Peninsulas here and again for this week there's less than five cases in this area so this could be anything from zero to four so less than five cases again this week in the Bantry area. So we can straight away take from that there was no confirmed case of COVID-19 this week in the Bantry area when it's exactly the same as it was yeah, last exactly week. Yeah, exactly the same okay. as it was last Good week. Good news for Bantry. So to the Skibbereen area and again this will take in Ross Carberry, Dunmanway, Banleen and the Clonakilty area. The confirmed cases here are six. So last week there was five, there was less than five last week and this time it's six. So they've had some confirmed cases. They've had some cases. confirmed, yeah. Okay. To the Bandon and Conceal area and here we're taking in Timalee, Kilbritton, parts of Crossbarry, Inishannon, uh, Belgooley and Bannon Hospital areas. Last week there was nine cases. This week there's ten cases there in the Bandon Kinsale area. And then moving to Carrigaline, which is again taken in a big area from Ringeskiddy to Ballygarvan and Myrtleville. They, for the last two weeks, had less than five cases, uh, doing very well in that area they were. They now have 22 confirmed cases okay. in the Carrigaline area. And all areas of the city were, were, we saw an increase last week in those particular areas of the city. And there's been a further increase this week. We'll start first in the city area with the Cork City Southwest uh, local electoral area. Here you're taking in Ballincollig, Wilton, Curraheen and areas of Toker. The last time we spoke about this area last week there was 28 cases. Now there is 69 confirmed cases in that particular area of Cork City. And then moving to the uh, south central area of Cork City taken in the Kinsale Road area, Turner's Cross and again some of Toker. Uh, Last week there was 16. This week there is 43 confirmed cases in that area of the city and then to the southeast, Douglas Mahan and the Rochestown area last week there we had 19 cases this time around 34 confirmed cases and to the northeast of the city where we're talking about Glanmire, Mayfield, Tivoli and Montanati, 24 last week there, we have 50 confirmed cases this time around and to the northwest of Cork City uh, we're looking here at Sunday's Well Hoddy Hill, the Blarney area Nochnihini, there were 7 last week there is now 33 confirmed cases this Whoa, time around. So every area of the city seeing a noticeable increase, some of them more than double the cases in yeah, the last week. Big wow. increases, yeah. Okay, back out to the county. So then. back McCroom. to the county, we go to McCroom, and in this area, we are looking at areas not too far away from Banning College, but we are looking at Arhala, out to Cladove, Crookstown, Inchigila, Ballingiri, Coulee, and Mill Street itself. And of course, Coachford in that McCroom area, big area there that covers. They had uh, nine cases last week, uh, confirmed this week is 19 cases uh, in the McCroom area. Canturk, again here, big area going from Charnival to Newmarket. Uh, down to Kilcorny, Cullen, Kishgame and Bally Desmond areas in the Canturk local electoral area and they remain the same again less than five cases so a bit like Bantry uh, less than five cases Good in news. the Canturk Good area for the Canturk area and move over to Mallow where you're looking at uh, Buin, Glantan areas Churchtown, Granales, Carroll and Lumberstown there was eight cases last week we have confirmed cases of 16 in the Mallow area this time around and to Formoy where we had 18 
seen last week and when I mentioned for more you are taking in Mitchellstown here as well Castle Lines Kilworth Rathcormark and Donnerwell uh, there is 26 confirmed cases uh, this week in the Fermoy local electoral area and then we'll go to Cove and Cove another big area here from Carrick Tool to Watergrass Hill to Carrick Navarre and obviously Cove itself 13 cases last week confirmed cases this week we have 30 in the Cove area and then finally to the Middleton area which is taken in the rest of East Cork such as Yall, Shanagarry, Ladies Bridge, uh, Ballycott and those areas uh, nine cases there last week this week there's 27 cases in so that some area. areas of the county you can see uh, compared to last week where we were saying it seemed to be all around uh, the city certainly a big jump in numbers in the city but some of the county uh, areas bar I would say leaving out West Cork and uh, Canturk okay uh, again we can't be complacent okay alright listen thank you for that and we'll do that again with uh, John Paul uh, every Thursday he'll take a look at the figures and he will join us in a studio on a uh, Friday morning okay some of your texts and calls coming into the programme. Nancy feels it's all a little bit convenient that Donald Trump, you probably heard this on the news, Donald Trump and his wife Melania have been confirmed positive for COVID-19. The man who wasn't really believing in COVID-19 and said it was not more than a flu. Let's see how he gets on with it and we wish him good health, obviously. But the man is 76 he is in the at-risk category for his age. He would also be in the at-risk category for his weight. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. Anyway, he's been confirmed COVID positive along with Melania, his uh, wife. Nancy thinks it's all a bit convenient. Uh, he won't be able to take part in the debates. She thinks it's a ploy. She doesn't believe him. You're not the only person... Twitter was alight this morning with people doubting whether he had it or not. Only time will tell. We have to take it at face value. It's coming out from the White House that he has been confirmed. They were changing the rules to the debate because the first debate that happened earlier in the week was just... I, I, I didn't watch all two hours, I'll be very honest. I tried. Uh, I, after 20 minutes, I just said, I can't, this is going to give me a headache. P- two grown elderly men shouting at each other that's just what it looked like it was just uncomfortable uh, viewing they were changing the rules and the regular the rules around the debate I mean one of the things was that when somebody was speaking the other person's mic was going to be closed off so I don't know how Donald Trump was going to feel about that but anyway that's conspiracy theory conspiracy theorist is our Nancy she's wondering does he just not want to take part in the uh, debate Pat on COVID-19 from Formoy says I think the answer to the problem is under our noses alcohol Pat is one of the people that feels we should be closing off the off licences if we close them for four to six weeks and just see how we get on Noreen is worried that there are a lot of county finals due to take place this weekend and she said the celebration after these matches are always huge she said I know my own parish and she doesn't want to name her own parish by the way she doesn't She doesn't want us to name it but she says there's a county final going on she says they're already planning what she describes as a big session this weekend she feels it'll be the same for all areas of Cork who will celebrate win, lose or draw she said I feel these matches should be postponed considering the figures are so high she's nervous for the weekend and she believes that Cork as a county will find itself in trouble in the following week because if there is a lot of celebration and if there is a lot of people not observing social distancing she's fearful 
that if anyone goes into the middle of those celebrations and has COVID-19, doesn't realise they have it, it will spread like wildfire. Well, and I understand your concern, Noreen, but just all you can do is look after yourself, keep up the social distancing, keep up the hand uh, washing, keep wearing the masks. All we can do is look after ourselves and hope that the rest will follow suit and that sense will uh, prevail. 1850-333-103 in schools. John says, I know a secondary school that has all its windows open and the the children in the school are not allowed to wear their uh, jackets. I find that, I mean, well, that is up to, if they're cold, surely that's up to the parents to get involved and say, I mean, nobody, I can understand why you well ventilate the room and we've all been told to keep the rooms well ventilated. And another listener this varies you see from school to school another listener said her son went off to school this morning and said he leaves his coat on in school they're frozen because he's sitting by the window but they're allowed to do it so I mean I think it's it seems to vary from school to school because somebody else is talking about a school saying could somebody please tell me about the rules regarding school children my child is in a pod in national school she's in a pod with five children uh, in in five children other classmates in the pod my, do- my daughter oh, is is my daughter only supposed to be playing out in the yard with those five other children or can she mix with the entire class when they go out for a small break and when they're out on their lunch break? In my daughter's school, she is allowed to play with the entire class. She's allowed to play with everyone out in the yard and there's no social distancing going on. Is my child's school breaking the guidelines by letting all the class play out in the yard? The children are left to go very close into each other's faces and obviously they're primary school children so they're not wearing uh, masks. Uh, So we'll put it out there for other parents. If your child is in primary school, I've certainly passed primary school at break time and I've seen children all out. They look like they're all playing together. I've passed primary schools, you know, where PE is going on and everybody seems to be playing together. I know the the idea of the pods is in the classroom, probably because they're inside. I'm assuming when they're outdoors, we know there's a lesser chance of spreading COVID-19 or picking up COVID-19 when you're outdoors. So maybe that's the reason that the schools are allowing children to play out in the yard. But can other parents let us know this is now we're talking about primary school not secondary school children and please don't start talking about secondary school children all gathering together because you'll see that everywhere when they come out of school they're doing really well inside in the classroom but when they're outside young people are doing or teenagers are doing what teenagers will always do they're hanging out together but I don't know is it an individual choice for the schools themselves I know there's a programme going to be on RTE on next Monday night isn't it and it's to do with going back to school so it would be in, I would be, I would suggest to the listener take a look at how other schools around the country on that TV programme are doing it but I don't exactly know what the guidelines are issued to schools do, are different schools interpreting it differently or does it state in the school guidelines I'll see if I can check it out for you I just can't get to do it now while I'm on air but I'll see if I can check it out for you over the weekend are there set there are definitely set rules on children remaining in pods and they're meant to stay in their pods and only mix in the pods but then when they go out into the yard are they allowed to all mix together how are other schools handling it 1850 333 103 and Hanny then is, one, has a query uh, as an organiser of a group is it possible to have six to ten people gather in a hall one will sit at each end of six feet tables and will be in the hall for between one to two hours I'm assuming Hanny that that falls in under we're under level two that falls in under 
organised indoor gatherings. And organised indoor gatherings are de- are described as controlled environments with the named event organiser, which would be a good self if you're organising the event or an owner or, or a manager. They cite examples like tra- training events for businesses or conferences or events in theatres or cinemas or other arts events. And actually it also includes sports. And they say under level two, up to 50 people are permitted in an indoor gathering like that. You, they're permitted are they're in pods or groups of up to six people and there should be no intermingling of the groups what you're suggesting doing is almost developing all individual pods the fact that you're sitting everybody on six foot tables away from each other so yes I think under the level two guidelines as an organiser of an event, I think you're doing everything that is right. They're saying that the seating, you know, the two metre seated social distancing and, you know, you need to control people coming in and out. And obviously, if you're the organiser of an event, you're going to need to take people's names and contact telephone numbers. Just if, God forbid, it turned out that one of the people at the event turned out to be COVID-19 positive and then you need to contact trace the other people but certainly my reading of the level 2 and we still are at level 2 I think you are okay 1850 we are going to be talking about the flu jab uh, in a couple of minutes and a couple of people are getting on to us said I got my flu injection yesterday got it in Bohabui it, it was only after coming in on Tuesday I was told to ring beforehand by a friend of mine to be sure to be sure that it was in and Anne says it was so I got mine okay and someone else was on to us uh, Fimber says hi I got my flu jab in Fomoy at the medical hall yesterday in and out in 10 minutes absolutely no problem and there doesn't seem to be a problem for people who have an appointment and the flu vaccine is in, what we're going to be discussing is that there seems to be a shortage of flu jabs and people therefore are worried that there may not be enough to go around. And that's what we are trying to uh, find out and get to the bottom of. And Bernard Infomoy says, I think the people who make up all the rules and restrictions and the lockdowns are only clutching at straws. Well, you're talking about our health experts in effort and you're talking about our government, uh, Finbar. Finbar thinks the masks are, we were told to wear masks. He feels they're useless. I would dispute that with you, Bernard, because by you wearing a mask, you're protecting me if you have COVID-19. Uh, why don't we wear a mask for the so-called normal flu because Bernard said the flu kills people also. Well if you look in other countries like Asian countries they do all wear masks for the flu. It's just something that we haven't been doing and it'll be interesting when this Covid leaves us in flu season. Will we see more people wearing mask, masks? Only time will tell. Bernard feels that all these lockdowns are useless. Why? Because a lot of people don't obey the rules when you've, you've answered your You've answered your concerns in your last statement. The lockdowns are not going to work and restrictions are not going to work if everybody doesn't abide by the rules of the restrictions. And when you say a lot of people, I don't think it's a lot of people. I think it's a minority. But once you have a minority continuing to breach the guidelines, continuing to breach the restrictions, therefore we will continue to have a spread of COVID-19. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. And we have a plant hire and civil engineering company based in Glanmire in Cork looking for experienced 360 degree track machine driver. You need to have a sea licence to drive a rigid truck. Skullbreda in Crossmaham, they're looking for part-time cleaners, previous experience and contact details for references are necessary. 
experienced bicycle store mechanic slash, slash assembler that's wanted for Cork City and Glenmar Shellfish they're based in Union Hall they're looking for a full-time shop assistant you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103 Court today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 now some of our listeners are telling us that they're having a problem trying to get an appointment for this year's flu vaccination with some worried that there may not be enough vaccine available this year Dr Mike Thompson of the East Cork Clinic has raised his concerns about this year's vaccination programme and he joins me good morning to you Mike. Morning Patricia. And you're, you're welcome to, to the programme. Now you received a message from the HSE about your allocation of vaccines this year. Can you explain what the HSE are saying to you? Yeah, all GPs would and pharmacies I would imagine would have received the same. Um, there is. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A slight delay, already two weeks in, I think, the vaccine manufacturers and the HSC getting the supply chain out to practices. Um, the issue seems to be that the government have ordered 1.4 million adult vaccinations, which should be enough. I think this year the demand is going to be a little bit higher, given given COVID, etc., and it's coming in quite a staggered, instead of coming as a big bolus to allow us to run efficient clinics. I do think there, we will get there eventually, Patricia. We'd like people to be vaccinated, certainly before, you know, before November. Certainly January is peak influenza season. It takes about 10 days for the vaccine to work. It lasts six months. So I, I, I would probably, the, the problem is people are ringing repeatedly, which kind of blocks up the phone lines. Mm. So I do think they can give it a few weeks and get back again. I do think we will have enough vaccine stock. Eventually, we will get there. And I must say, it's probably not the fault of the HSC. 
uh, on this occasion. Isn't that nice to hear? Um, <laughs> it seems to be an international supply problem. So it's the northern hemispheres. I, I yeah. was I was looking up this last night. I mean, there's a lot of we're not the only country, and no. it's not that there's anything wrong with the vaccine, but it's it's the distribution of it seems to be the problem. The, the supply chain, yeah, and I think there was certainly an issue with from Sanofi Pasteur releasing it from France to come into Ireland. The numbers they have, so it's 2 million in total, and that includes some of the children's vaccinations for flu as well. So I do think we will get there. Remember this, Patricia, we're talking about people who qualify for the HSE vaccine. Um, So who should get the flu vaccine is, I think, everyone. Who qualifies for a free vaccine would be, I suppose, a more perhaps vulnerable population. And the HSE have bought all stocks this year and we, we give them. So really, technically, is there any way that a private person, someone who doesn't qualify for it, can get a vaccine? And the letter of the law would be not this year because companies cannot purchase the vaccine privately. But again, the people who qualify for it, it's quite a broad cohort and Many people can fit under this, and it might be worth running through. If please do, this is okay. this, and and anyone on this list is entitled to a free vaccine when it's available from yes. from the from the HSE. They cover the cost. You either go to your doctor, or you can go to a pharmacy as well. Okay, are, go through are we the list. Doing the drive-through clinic in East Cork. How is that going for you? I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, go through the list. Okay, go through the list first. So everyone over sixty-five, which is twelve percent of the population. Okay. Any child between 2 and 12 will get a nasal vaccine, and that's about 18% of the population. Any healthcare worker. Now, that doesn't just include GPs, doctors, nurses, etc. It's anyone involved in administration, allied care, such as physiotherapists, home helps, um, healthcare assistants. So that's quite a broad cohort of people. Uh, a very important category would be pregnant women. And then the typical list that we know, Patricia, I suppose, is anyone who has a long-term condition. So such as and this is a very broad uh, health conditions such as heart disease, kidney disease, diabetes, on long-term immunosuppressant medication, anyone who's had cancer or treatment within the last five years, and a very important, and their household contacts. So let's say someone is married to a diabetic, then the person who, their wife would also, their spouse would also be entitled to a vaccine. So it is a very, very broad category this year. And with the COVID, we're finding demand has really just become exponential. So we're just, we hate rationing anything. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, you know, there are ethical and moral issues about who we, who we should, shouldn't be rationing. Um, so we, we sat down, I suppose, about two months ago um, with local GPs and the army, and we decided how could we kind of run an efficient clinic. Um, this was probably before we thought there might be a, a bit of an issue with supply chain. And we said that the best way would be like the COVID testing, would be a drive-through service. Um, it's, it's done in other countries. This would be the first one in Ireland. Um, so people would book online if they're eligible. We're only giving HSC vaccines. They would pre-consent, list their conditions. they get a reminder email. Then they'd ar- arrive, get a temperature check, confirm their consent, receive an information sheet, receive the vaccine, wait for 15 minutes and drive off. So it's stay safe, stay in your Stay in your car is, yeah. is the motto. Um, so it, it's been very good. We have a great health. The army are putting up a big marquee. It's starting next weekend. Already we've had to put up the first weekend is booked out because we've exhausted our vaccine stock from the, the local GPs. Um, so we're trying as best we can to ask the HSE for more. Um, and what's um, brilliant about that drive through and uh, you're keeping people out of the surgeries. 
the big thing. So we find there's benefits to the GP, the person themselves, and to the state. So, you know, I suppose we run a business here. It's important that we are available for appointments. It's important that we keep our staff safe. It's important that I keep myself safe. It reduces the calls to reception. I think the biggest selling point would be for the patients. It's convenient. It's rapid. Mm. They get an obvious benefit by getting the vaccination. But there are certainly some of the population who are very worried about coming here. Okay, so it keeps them really safe. It minimizes their risk of getting any infectious disease. And then I think the status benefits that maybe they are yet to buy into. We can get a large number of vaccines done quite quickly. We can change the tent over to COVID testing. It'll offer a template for COVID-19 vaccination. Yeah, fantastic. Hopefully when that comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Re- Brilliant. It's, 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 it's a win-win. But your problem now is you don't have enough vaccinations. No. Um, and we're hoping it's just a matter of yeah. time. But if you're trying to run a big-scale, efficient clinic, you know, the army are coming down helping us out and, you know, there are other factors. So we would have hoped for a bit more buy-in, I suppose, and to get more vaccinations. That's our rate-limiting step at the moment. We have 548 the first weekend, and we've had to we've had to stop it. We could have easily done double it, and we could do double it for the next six weeks when we're open at the weekend. Um, but watch this space. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get some more. When's your next delivery? Uh, we're getting the one on the seventh, and one at the end of October. So okay, but but what you're fair. saying is there's not going to be enough for everyone who wants a vaccine by the end of no. October. Not, not, for, not no. for everyone who wants it. And I would even have issues about everyone who qualifies for an eligible HSE one. Yeah. OK, Mary wants to know if you are entitled to the vaccine under the list that you read out from the HSE. Is there an admin charge from no. the GP? No, no. no it is there completely is free. And a number, and I knew this was going to come up, the nasal vaccine for under 12s. Yeah. When do you expect that to be available? Um uh, we hope from the 7th, mid-October. We, we we thought about going to schools, but the schools, in fairness, were very quick to come back and say they don't have the space for this. We thought it would be a good idea to get staff in, vaccinate, you know, a classroom, you get through it quickly, maybe have them pre-consented, not have the parents need to be there. So the difficulty is when it, it'll take a little bit longer to give a nasal spray, and, you know, the child mightn't be all that keen for it. So it, it, it's, something we feel that would really work well with the drive through clinic. Um, we don't think there'll be such an issue with stock for the 2 to 12 year old group. Okay. Uh, we think that'll be okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Lots of people asking how can, not on the, on the list, how can I get a vaccine? Can I just go and buy one at a pharmacy? You're saying that there's going to be none available. The issue is our stock is given by HSE. There is no, we cannot source or buy private vaccines. Um, so the letter of the law says that I I would really be only entitled to give it to people who are on the HSE list, which is quite broad, Patricia. You you, you look at the list and you you can make a case for lots of people, but it, no, it, I can't see how people can who do not qualify can get a private vaccine anywhere, either occupationally. I mean, lots of companies would have brought in people before to vaccinate their staff. I can't see how that can be done unless they have sourced it privately themselves. Mm. Um, Mary and Boschman said, Hi, I had my flu jab done yesterday and I was charged €30. Euro. I thought it was free. Uh, two issues there. Is she eligible? And if she's not eligible, she's been given a private, private vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, um, I'm married to a diabetic and I have three asthmatic 
people in my household. I have a child who doesn't have any conditions. Should we all get the vaccine? Yes, and that person is a household contact of someone on the at-risk list, Tricia. So yeah, and I don't know what age the child, if the child is under 12, they're entitled to it uh, yeah. anyway. And it's, it's important, it's from 2 till uh, eight, until your 13th birthday. So it's, it's, it's anyone who is 12 as well, 12 and a half, etc. And then what about teenagers? Somebody wants to know. Are teenagers entitled to it? it only if they have a long-term condition okay. or a household contact, yeah. Okay, but your advice today uh, for on behalf of all GPs, people are flooding GP practices with phone calls. There is no vaccine in at the moment, and the next many of us and many of the clinics will advertise on social media, or they will do targeted responses. So I think ringing repeatedly is possibly not the way to go. Um, I think keep an eye on the practice websites, keep an eye on texts from the practices. Lots of practices are doing targeted populations; they're contacting people. So I, I suspect it's probably pointless ringing okay. um, to see if it's available. All right, listen, we appreciate that. No doubt we'll talk again, Mike. But in the meantime, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme. Good morning to you. Uh, that is Dr. Mike Thompson, who is with the East Cork uh, Clinic, just updating us on what is going on with this year's flu vaccine. Bearing in mind that the Department of Health are encouraging everybody to, there's a big push for everybody to get the flu jab this year. But unless you're on, and that is, Mike is right, that is an extensive list the HSE priority list and you're, you're absolutely free. Your vaccine is free whether you go to your GP to get it or whether you go to your pharmacy to get it. If you're on that list, then the vaccine is free. But the problem is going to be for people outside of that list who decide they want to get it. They're not in any of the at-risk groups. They don't have anybody in their household in the at-risk group. They're going to have a problem actually securing and getting the vaccine because it looks like there is just not going to be be enough to go around for everyone but everybody on that list from the HSC I want to get that message out because there will be vulnerable people listening who are waiting to get their flu vaccine and it just isn't available to them yet there is there is to be more deliveries in the coming weeks and uh, hopefully by the it'll be into November I think at this stage before everyone who is on that list that the HSC deem a priority it will certainly be into November before everybody has who needs to get their flu jab uh, will actually get it 1850 Bernie, it's not Bernie, he's saying Bernie for some reason she's on my mind this week we've got John Fall and Sadie taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 333 103 Now a number of listeners contacted us yesterday to say uh, that there was very little uproar about the fact that electricity bills are to rise by almost 90 euro a year for some following increases that kicked in yesterday the first of October. Dara Cassidy of price comparison website bonkers.ie joins me to explain why we will all end up paying more for our electricity. Good morning to you Dara. Good morning Patricia. Now it doesn't matter which electricity provider you are with all bills will go up and it's because of an increase in what's called the public service obligation the PSO levy. Can you explain all of that to us and what the increase uh, is like is going to be? I, I can indeed. So the public uh, service obligation levy or the PSO levy is charged to all electricity customers in Ireland. So unfortunately, there's no way that you can avoid it, no matter what your income is or how much electricity you use. And basically, the levy is there to support 
support the renewable energy sector in Ireland. It used to be there as well to support the peat sector, but now as we move towards a, a cleaner energy future, that's being phased out and most peat factories in Ireland are due to be phased out over the next few years. So the PSO levy just goes to support the renewable energy sector. It's set by the CRU, which is the independent energy regulator in Ireland. And unfortunately, they've deemed that the money that's needed for the PSO levy is to go up by about €50, Euro, including VAT, uh, for next year. So it always runs from October, the 1st of October, to the end of September each year. So the new PSO levy just kicked in yesterday, and it's, uh, it's gone up by €50 Euro a year, which isn't great. Um, it's there for a good cause, if, if it's any comfort to customers or to listeners, obviously, because, like I said, it's there to support renewable energy. We need a cleaner energy future. But people are going to feel the impact on their pockets. Okay, so it was €38.68 and 68 cent a year and that's broken up across your six bills, I'm, I'm assuming. And it's now yeah. gone up to €88.80. That's a big jump though, isn't it, Dara? It is a big jump and it's the second highest the levy has actually ever been, believe it or not. It does fluctuate a lot. Um, it tends to fluctuate in reverse to the price of energy. So when the price of maybe coal, oil, gas is very, very high, the PSO levy tends to fall uh, because the price of wind energy is more competitive. But then when the, the, the opposite happens, when the price of coal, oil and gas plummets, the PSO levy tends to go up. And we've seen on international markets where things like coal and oil and, and gas are traded, uh, the prices have plummeted over the past 12 to 15 months, partly due to a slowing economy and then more recently due to COVID. So um, you know, there is some good news in the sense that energy prices have fallen somewhat, particularly gas, over the past few months. Um, but, but this increase in the PSO levy and then also the other increase, the 3.4% increase in just the general price of electricity by Electric Ireland and then the 2.9% increase from prepay power, which goes into effect on Monday, that's really going to reverse some of those decreases that we've seen, unfortunately. And the PSO levy has to be paid before you flick a switch. It does. And <laughs> there's no way of there's no way of avoiding it, unfortunately, Patricia. Everybody gets hit with the PSO levy. A little bit like the carbon tax on, on gas. Um there's really, really very little way to, to avoid it and everyone gets hit. Okay. Now as you mentioned, Electric Island and Prepay Power, they have both raised their prices as well. So if you are with Electric Island or Prepay Power and you've got this PSO levy. You're reckoning the average household about ninety euro extra a year. Yeah, about ninety euro. Which you know, it's not a huge amount, but equally, it's not an insignificant sum either. And I think a lot of people would prefer that the money is in their pockets rather than someone else's. And um, so, from yesterday, the price of electricity with Electric Ireland went up by three point four percent, going up with prepay power by two point nine percent from Monday, and then actually only yesterday, another three suppliers, uh, B Energy, a smaller supplier. Energy and Iberdrola are also announced an increase in their prices, which will come into effect from November the 1st. So really, the, the price increases across the board from a lot of their suppliers. Would, um, would you expect also, once, they, once it starts, when somebody like Electric Ireland and Prepay Power, they put up their prices, do you then just expect the knock-on is going to be all of the other providers will do the same thing? 
that, that's a good question. And yes, that tends to happen. Electric Ireland is obviously the former incumbent um, and they still have the biggest share of the energy market or rather the electricity market at least. And then Borgosh Energy has the biggest uh, share of the gas market still. And you tend to find that, yes, Patricia, when Electric Ireland in particular makes the decision, all of the others uh, seem to follow because they have so much power. I have to say, though, that one or two suppliers did come out and say that they weren't increasing their electricity or gas prices, one of which was Borgosh Energy, which has a price freeze up until May of, or March rather, of, of next year. And then Flow Gas as well um, announced a decrease in the price of its gas a few days ago and a commitment not to increase electricity um, until March of 2021 as well. So while most of the providers have unfortunately decided to go ahead with an increase in their electricity prices, a few of them haven't. Yeah, I think it's just the timing because because of COVID-19, we still have people out of work. We've had people who haven't worked uh, since March. We've others who are on you know, reduced hours. We've got people who are nervous all the time about their jobs and, you know, will their job be there next week or will we be back and we'll be moving to level three and businesses will have to close. So it's, it's just, it's it's a nervous time, I think, for everyone. So any sort of an increase is, is really going down like a lead balloon. But your site, darabonkers.ie, clearly shows there are ways to save money. People can reverse these increases by switching. Absolutely. And whether it's your gas or electricity or even your broadband or even your mortgage rate, there's always ways to save. And our mantra at Bunker Salai has always been that switching saves. And our other mantra is that loyalty sells and pays. So there's a lot of uh, feeling that, you know, if you've been with the same supplier for a few years, that they're going to value your business, that they're going to give you a good deal. That's not the, the, the case. And um, if you want to get the best deals, if you want to get the best savings, the vast majority of the time, you, you, you have to switch. The good news is that when it comes to switching energy supplier, it's really as simple as it could be. Um, there's very, very little that you need to do. It can all be done online in the space of a few minutes. And it's generally, genuinely one of the quickest and easiest ways that you can put some money back into your pockets. At the moment, somebody who were to switch their gas and electricity could save just under €500 Euro a year, which is not an insignificant That's amount of money. That's a substantial amount for a family to save. Yes, absolutely. And that's for someone who's maybe on standard rates and who haven't, hasn't switched in a while. So if any of your listeners have been with the same supplier for maybe three, four years, they're pretty certain that they're not going to be on a very, very good deal. They'll probably be on the, the standard rate, which is the top rate. They won't be getting a discount. And if you switch to a new supplier, you can get discounts now of over 40%. So, um, like I said, it, it's just, it's such a great way to save money. It's an easy way to save money. And, you know, with people's finances under pressure like never before, it's really important that everyone's on the best deal for either the broadband, their gas, their electricity or their mortgage rates. Isn't it frustrating that these suppliers don't reward loyalty? It is a little bit, but I would always say to people, Patricia, that it's your money. You know, if you were to ask people how much you earn, people would probably say not enough. If you ask people how much they get taxed, they'd probably say too much. So money is a very, very finite resource. The vast majority of us don't have enough money. And I'd always say to people, you know, you work hard for your money. So it is up to you. Whilst it is frustrating that businesses don't reward loyalty, whilst, yes, in some cases, 
the government and and different agencies should step in to make sure that vulnerable people aren't being um, you know taken for a ride. But it is up to you, you know, to to ask your money to get the best deal to go out there to haggle to shop around because uh, no one's going to do a better deal of managing your own money than you, really. Okay, Colm, I, I don't I don't know if this makes sense. Colm said, I got my, now he's saying ESB bill, so I don't know if that's with Electric Ireland or who, who he was with. Uh, and he says the, 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 rise, the price rise is dated back to 2019. I was charged €208 euro, and I'm assuming that's not the Colm's normal bill. It said correction of previous re- readings. Why are they backdating a price rise? I pay my bill every two months. I, can you explain that? So, so what seems to have happened there is that um, he has had estimated readings for his previous bills and now the ESB network came out to actually take a proper reading uh, and they found out that the estimates were below or, or were incorrect. So, whilst he, so he underpaid, unfortunately, over the past few months and now he's, um, he's having to pay. I mean, my advice to people would be that every time your bill is due, so it's usually every two months that people pay submit a meter reading to your supplier so that you're only paying for the energy that you use because if you don't, then it'll be based on an estimate and then every few months or maybe every half a year when the ESP networks come out to actually take an official reading, you could find that you've overpaid or underpaid and then you could be hit with a bit of a bill shock. And that's, I think, what's happened to Cullum yeah. and, and, it, yeah, and it's, it's happened to a lot of people as well when they realise that they've been underpaying uh, all along. Uh, and I okay. think... I'm sorry, I would, would say quickly, but just, I think what will happen as well is because of COVID, because more of us are spending more time at home, yeah. um, the estimates are probably going to be more incorrect than ever before. So a lot of people probably use a lot more energy than they would have usually used in July and August. So when the ESP networks are estimating a bill, they're probably underestimating it because they're comparing it to last year and previous years. So it's really, really important now that, you know, you get your actual meter reading in. Because definitely people from working at home, their ESB, but their electricity bills are certainly higher. OK, bonkers.ie and I would advise anyone to head over that way. I did it a number of years ago following a chat like I just had with Dara now and uh, I change every year and I have been saving money. So thank you, Dara, for that. Listen, you, have a nice weekend and we'll talk again soon. Yes. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Dara Cassidy of Bonkers.ie. 1850 Lines open. This is Court Today. Court Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. There's a lovely text in from a listener to say, Hi Patricia, I was in Formoy this morning and I went into Birmingham's Gift Gallery. Christmas is in full swing there. Patricia, what a display of Christmas gifts. I completely put COVID-19 behind me while I was there and I actually made a few purchases. It'd do your heart good to see it. Well done to everybody in Birmingham's in Formoy. Well worth the visit. Isn't that lovely? And it's so, it so pushes the agenda of shopping locally and that's what we all need to do. And I know some people will say, oh please don't be talking about Christmas and we haven't even had Halloween out of the way. But we are starting to see more and more shops putting on their Christmas display and there is nothing like a good Christmas display even if it's a bit early if you're a fan of Christmas then you'll absolutely love it and there are lots of people whenever we give out about Christmas coming in too early we will always hear from people like this listener who likes to buy early like to buy a couple of bits maybe every week and they spread the cost of Christmas across 
we're into October now, October, November, December. And for some people, they don't have a big, you know, ball of money that they can just go out the week before Christmas and do all of the Christmas shopping and they prefer to buy a little bit every week and for that reason stores that do put in their Christmas displays and their Christmas items and their Christmas gifts early it certainly suits people like that but that was was a gorgeous text and it sounds like Birmingham's uh, in Fomoy the place to go and if you're a fan of Christmas then it really is a must well done to everybody in Birmingham then please 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 shop local I know we've got our campaign running here on C103 you'll be hearing very ads. I know I recorded a few the other day. We're really trying to I think this year more than ever the small independent stores really really need our trade and I accept and I know you can't get everything locally and there are things that you have to buy online and it's more convenient to people to buy online. I accept all of those arguments but where possible if there's an item that you can get that's of similar price please try and shop local and if it's one of the smaller little independence family run stores they're the ones we really need to be supporting this year uh, 1850-333-103 and Liz says uh, Patricia can the public see the radio awards uh, tonight and best of luck to you and your team thank you thank you for your kind regards unfortunately not no they, we've been given a link to it that I've been, and but I think it's only people involved in the radio industry. I thought when it went viral, I was thinking the same thing, that there, people could log on and whatever and everyone would be able to, uh, to see it. I mean, it is virtual. I mean, we're, you know, obviously I'm not attending. I don't have, I'm not going to be in other than my name and the name of the programme. Well, it's not even my name, it's the name of the programme. Uh, we'll go up in the different categories and then they'll announce the bronze, silver and then the overall gold uh, winner. That's what's going to happen. I think they're doing a couple of link link ups with some uh, different presenters but I'm certainly not doing a link up which is I'm happy enough uh, with that. But no, I thought it would be for for general for everybody else to see but if you are on Twitter if you follow the Imro Radio Awards they really are good to tweet out all of the results so if you want to follow it that way you can but thank you for your kind regards as I mentioned earlier when Simon brought it up this morning the fact we've been nominated so there's only five in the current affairs category and to get down to the five we ourselves, all of us involved in the show, we do feel that that's a win. But thank you, Liz, uh, for your kind thoughts. OK, let me look at some of your other comments coming in just on the GAA, because earlier one of our listeners is afraid that there are county finance going on and is fearful that people are going to be organising events and fearful that with the way the figures are in Cork, could we end up spreading COVID at 19? Well, a listener wants to point out that Castle Lines are in the county final. Um, a listener says, my son is actually on the panel. His girlfriend is not visiting this weekend. The club is taking COVID guidelines very seriously and she this listener says there are no plans for the afters win, lose or draw. Rumours spread by people who believe every word they hear. So too was Nora who contacted us earlier who claims where she's living and I don't know where she's living. She didn't give us uh, her parish uh, but she reckons that there's a celebration going on but it isn't going on. You can't say it's going on in every area because it's not. It's not. Uh, Martin in Formoy though is not happy that the GAA, that any of the matches are being played or that we've got any county finals going on this weekend. Martin feels that the GAA should be put into lockdown now and I don't know if it's just specifically the GAA, Martin. Are you talking about all sporting bodies? Because, you know, rugby, 
teams are playing. We've got soccer teams playing. Martin feels that there are gangs of them hanging around together before and after training or after a match. Martin is with, there's no social distancing going on. He said it's pure stupid to have any kind of these team sports being played. None of them are wearing masks. If he had his way, there would be an end to all of those sporting events. That is from Martin. We're also getting some complaints in about the some schools allowing their pupils to wear their coats in the classroom. This is where classrooms are leaving the windows open because we've been told when a well-ventilated room is the best thing you can do to try to stop the spread of COVID-19. But others are saying that in their sons' and daughters' schools, they're not allowed, or the children are saying they're not allowed to wear their coats. Somebody is, is suggesting if parents withdrew their children from school, the school would be quick enough to allow them to wear their coats. But I, when, you know, I always say to parents when you have an issue like that, get on to the school. If you have a good parents' association, this is where parents' association really can play a blinder, get on to the parents' association because they're on the board of management and have the issue raised. I mean, it's been very cold the last few days. I mean, it's been really nippy in the morning. I certainly wouldn't like to be sitting in a room for so many hours of the day if the window was wide open on a chilly day. And I mean, even the temperatures for today, you know, it's not going to go more than 11 degrees at the moment. It's not going to go more higher than that. I don't, you know, if I had to sit in a room with the window open, I certainly would want my coat on. But I would say to parents, you know, raise it, raise it with the school, ring the principal. As I say, if you don't want to do do that, go through your parents' uh, association. Six in a house, says this texter, is not a restriction. It is crazy in the face of what is happening. Lives are being lost and we know that house visits are seeding a lot of the COVID-19. Is it really worth it? And lives are being lost. Not happy that that's the latest restriction to come in. No more than six people and they all must come from one home. On meter reading and your electricity provider and one of the pieces of advice that Dara Cassidy from Bonkers.ie gave when Colm rang him to say he'd obviously had a number of estimated bills and suddenly he got an actual bill and his bill is higher than it normally is. And you can get a bit of a shock when that actually happens. And Dara was saying to make sure that you ring in your meter reading or you can text in your meter reading and you can do it. A lot of the apps can do it. It's quite easy uh, to do with a lot of the providers at the moment. Uh, somebody says, I always ring in my meter reading. And yet when the bill comes, it always says estimated. I'm wondering why. I tell you what that is. Even though you're sending in your meter reading and it is a- accurate, they, your provider, are still saying that that's estimate. The only time you will get actual, the word actual bill, is when in where I live, there's a, a lovely gentleman, really lovely gentleman comes around. He doesn't come around every two months. And I was, actually, I was only talking to him the last time he came and he said, I won't be back now the next two months. I don't know how many times. I think there is six readings in the year and I think they have to do three of them. I think there's there's some actual rules around that but they don't come every every two months they, once upon a time they did they, it was the ESB meter man and he would arrive religiously every two months but obviously with too many houses in this country now they can't physically do that anymore so there is a reduction so you do we all get estimated bills unless you ring in the meter reading but it will always have estimated the only time it will have actual is when that man or woman I don't know if women do that job as well come and actually read the meter that's the reason for that but you're still getting 
accurate bills because you're making sure that the meter reading goes in. So don't don't let that put you off. Keep doing that because there's nothing worse than like what's happened to poor old Colm. Gets a surprise bill in the post and discovers his electricity bill is huge and it's because he might have been paying estimate for the previous six months. On the flu vaccines, number of comment, n- number of questions and texts in about this. Patrick in from, oh sorry, before I go to Patrick in from Moy, there was also a question in about could you find out please what electricity companies can you switch to that are not direct debit? Now I, that's a very broad question. I would imagine if you go on to somebody like Bonkers.ie, some of those price comparison websites and actually put in that you don't want direct debit in, included, some of the providers absolutely don't do direct. Mo- a lot of them, a lot of them insist if you want to switch, there, there has to be direct debits. And other companies will say if you switch and go by direct debit, you'll get an you know, extra discount from your bill but certainly there are other companies that will allow you to pay to the post office for for example there and then of course there are the ones where the prepaid power which is an expensive way though I, we've looked into that before is an expensive way to pay for your electricity but you can do the prepaid where you get your voucher and you put it into the little machine inside in your own house but I, I couldn't it's too broad a question to find out who are insisting on direct debits I would suggest you go on to one of the price comparison websites would be the only way you'll find out uh, for sure. Anyway, back to Patrick and Fomoy. I had the flu and the pneumonia jabs on Wednesday last in my doctor's surgery. That was in the Fomoy Medical Hall. I was in for a different appointment, but as a asthmatic, my doctor suggested that I should have both in and out, no bother and no effects afterwards. Feeling great. Well done, Patrick, and that will, will gratefully benefit you um, as well. And then we're getting calls in for people saying some are saying that they rang and that there's a charge for the flu vaccine. If you are entitled to a flu vaccine under the HSC list, which is a very, very long list, then there is absolutely no charge. There isn't charge for the flu vaccine and there isn't an admin charge. It is completely free of charge whether you go to your GP practice or whether you go to a pharmacy. They get the GP practice and the pharmacy gets reimbursed from the HSE. So you should not be uh, charged. Some questions in from listeners that we didn't get to put to Dr. Mike when he joined us in the last hour, but I have the answer, so I'm, I'll be able to update people. Finbar says, I have COPD. Should my 25-year-old daughter who lives with me get the vaccine too because there's a condition in the house? Yes, that's exactly what Mike said. If you're living, if you're a household contact of somebody who has an underlying health condition, they are suggesting all of the household contacts get it as well. Marion says, my son lives with his partner and his partner has a heart condition, so would he be entitled uh, to it? Would he need to bring documentation with him to prove it. I don't know if he needs to bring documentation. What I'd suggest you do is, Marion, is when your son's partner is going to get her flu jab, he goes with her and says, well, I'm her partner. I live with her. I'm a household contact. Because uh, that's how we did it because Marcia was entitled to it with special needs and underlying health conditions. And then myself and her 
my husband uh, Brendan her dad we both went in and obviously as we, as we are her primary carers uh, both of us got it and there was absolutely no charge we thought one of us might have to pay for it but there was absolutely no charge because it's under this the HSE list of uh, people so and we didn't have to bring any documentation uh, with us and Mary is the flu vaccine f- free for my son who has asthma I ran the doctor and I phoned the doctor and was told there would be a 25 euro free well no Dr Mike says absolutely no your son has asthma asthma is on the list isn't it let me just check let me just double check I have the list in front of me chronic respiratory disease and I'm assume, assuming chronic respiratory disease uh, will include asthma maybe you just need to get that checked pregnant women chronic heart disease chronic renal failure liver disease neurological disease if you're immunosuppressant due to disease or treatments that's anybody who would have had cancer and then the household contacts of those people are out of home care to person with increased medical risk diabetes is on it morbidly obese is on it if you're morbidly obese you are entitled to a flu jab for free there's some hemo I won't even try and pronounce it but it's some blood disorder they're on the list children with conditions that compromise respiratory function obviously then residents of nursing homes or long stay care facility carers if you are a carer you are entitled to a free flu jab that does not mean you have to be on a carer's allowance if you are a full time carer people in close contact with pigs, poultry or waterfowl, you're entitled to a flea jab. Children on long-term aspirin therapy and then obviously all the healthcare workers, medical, dental, nursing, health and social care, management, admin staff, general support workers, other healthcare workers, all of your home health, for example, they're all entitled to it. Anybody over 65 years of age, anybody with Down syndrome. And then at the very bottom, it says clinical necessity. So I'm assuming that that bottom one means that your doctor makes the decision if they feel it's of clinical necessity. But the listener whose son has asthma, asthma to me is a chronic respiratory disease. So absolutely, your son is entitled to a HSE funded flu jab. So I would get back on and query with the doctor why they're asking you to pay uh, €25. Okay, some more of your texts and calls coming in. Michael says, I was in a big pub over this was last weekend. No social distancing going on, says Michael. No name and number was taken. People were at the bar. People were walking about. These pubs aren't doing what they're meant to be doing. There was no table service and there was a big crowd in the smoking uh, area. I'm quite taken aback by that because I think the majority of pubs are doing everything for fear that will go to level three if they don't and then they'll have to shut. They're also doing it because we know the Gardaí are calling in, spot checking places. If a Gardaí walked in to a pub with what you're describing, uh, Michael, that publican could lose his licence. So that's what shocks me as well. And then thirdly, if what you described happened, then I, I hope that you, when you walked in and saw the scene, that you walked back out again. There's personal responsibility in all of this. If we go anywhere and you feel uncomfortable, you feel that what's not been done, the guidelines are not, and the rules and regulations are not being abided by, rather than put yourself at risk, because that to me sounds like if that happened, and I have no way of knowing if it happened or not, because I wasn't with you, but that sounds like a very 
dangerous situation to be in if somebody walked into that bar and was walking around and somebody had COVID-19 and you're saying no contact tracing going on, I would be turning around and legging it out of that door very, very quickly. Thank you for your call. Mary was on to say she found a lady's watch on the footpath outside the arches across the way from the Church of the Resurrection in Mallow. She found it this morning and she reckons it could have been somebody there was mass there this morning. It could have been somebody after mass and the watch Either the clasp opened or broke, I don't know, slipped off somebody's wrist and we have Mary's details. So if you hear of someone who lost a lady's watch around the Church of the Resurrection or outside the arches, give us a call please and we'll pass on Mary's details uh, to you and we'll get that watch back to its rightful owner. 1850 333103 lines open. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Now, bingo is going ahead in Inchigila Hall tonight at a half eight start. Now, obviously, strict rules, regulations, and guidelines. They have a limit of 50 people. Tables must be pre booked uh, at your table. You can't have more than six people from the more than three houses at each table. COVID-19 guidelines will be adhered to. You must wear a face covering inside the hall. And Castle Magner Autumn Parish Cleanup will be held tomorrow. They're asking people to meet at 11am in the community hall. New members, helpers welcome. Please bring along your gloves. And the Canturk Penny Dinners collection that goes ahead in the Trade Union Hall in Canturk next Sunday. It's between 11am and 1pm. The items that they will accept include cash, perishable goods and if you're good at the whole old home baking would you do a bit of home baking uh, please and Ochtonagree Community Development Group will present drive-in bingo on Sunday week the 11th of October at 1pm in the afternoon they'll have a jackpot of 500 euros plus spot prizes it's described as a great family day out and you're asked to arrive from 12 noon onwards and that's Sunday week the 11th of October in Ochtonagree Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And a reminder to you, by the way, if you are a soccer fan, don't forget to join Trevor Welch on C103.ie tomorrow Saturday for the Premier League Live exclusively online, powered by Talk Sport. Tomorrow Saturday we'll bring you live commentary of Chelsea versus Crystal Palace. That's at half past 12. Everton versus Brighton is at 3. Leeds take on Man City. That's at 5.30. And then we've got Newcastle and Barnsley. That's the last match at 8 o'clock. The Premier League live online. You can listen every Saturday by downloading the C103 app. Ah, You can go to our website c103.ie. Now John was on to us. This is about Halloween. Are we going to allow children to go picking up sweets from individual households and then go from house to house? It's absolutely ludicrous. You can't sanitise sweets and chocolates can we not just leave it off for one year and we have tried to check to see because we were told that Neffet were going to offer advice about COVID 
with regards to COVID-19 when it comes to trick-or-treating and they didn't. Now they had a lot of other things to be talking about this week so maybe that's the reason why we will keep a close eye and see what Neffert come up with and what Neffert will say to us with regards to trick-or-treating but we certainly are getting a mixed reaction in from people. Some people are in favour of it and others are very much against it. On the increase in electricity Hiya Patricia says a texture when they wanted us to stop using coal and fossil fuels and they want us to stop burning diesel and petrol in our cars why in the world would they be considering raising electricity prices? Yeah, what happens if you have an electric car? We'll all be back to candles soon and hypothermia. You can't have it both ways, says this uh, texter. And then Anne was on to say, Hi Patricia, I've put, I asked, I sent this in to you before, but you didn't read it out. <laughs> My apologies, Anne. Sometimes we just get in way too much texts and WhatsApps and I don't get around to all of them. My apologies. I do guarantee you though, when we come off air, we do our best to read every single one of them. Anne is looking for a pop. She doesn't want, she is willing to pay a small amount for the same said pub, pop, but she can't afford some of the prices that sellers are asking. And she's also afraid that if she goes and buys them online, that it could be stolen. And that's a good piece of advice, Anne, and, and you're right to be wary. She said dog rescues, generally speaking, don't have pups. She can guarantee that this pup will get a great home with a little Jack Russell. And we have Anne's details. If anybody has a pup, for a small amount, not a, so she doesn't want a, a pedigree, she doesn't want to pay a huge amount. Maybe somebody has a pup that they just need to get rehomed and they're not going to charge you anything, Anne, but Anne guarantees a good home. We can pass on details and you can check out Anne to make sure that the dog is going to a good uh, home. But ideally, she wants a pup to be rehomed with her Jack Russell, uh, please. You've been talking, Jerry says, you, we were talking about schools and how are schools doing it? children are in pods inside in the classroom in primary school and yet when they go out into the yard they're all mixing together and some parents are worried about that. Jerry says what about secondary schools? Some secondary schools are leaving the students downtown at lunchtime. There's absolutely no hubs, no pods going on. It is a joke. There's no contact tracing going on once they leave the school gates. They're free to roam, free to gather in uh, gangs. It's like the schools are leaving them all out together like sheep at home time as well, says uh, Jerry. Yeah, and I don't know what the solution to that is, Jerry. We've heard that argument from other listeners as well and some people who live by schools are, are worried about it. Schools themselves are, you know, under a lot of pressure and they're doing everything that they can to keep the young people safe while in the classroom and there's hand sanitising going on and I've seen I've seen young people secondary school students you know not all going into schools through the front door they have them going in through back doors and fire exits are open to allow them go in and, and they're trying to not get them to congregate in corridors etc but when on the way to school and after school I don't know, does that, is it then up to the parents to talk to the young people to say when you're leaving the school gates, can you try not and all congregate together? Or are we back to something I mentioned earlier, that young people are, are young people and they, teenagers will do what teenagers will do and they will congregate together. It's, I, I, and I'm very slow to blame the schools because I think the schools are doing the best that they can. 
and it's a very changed world inside in the classrooms and they're you know they're literally doing the best that they can do 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Record today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 1850 With suggestions for some movies to watch Mark Malone our movie reviewer Good afternoon to you Mark Hi Patricia And you watched two movies this week for us Enola Holmes and also Irresistible We'll start with a short trailer from Enola Holmes Sherlock Holmes You've been building quite a reputation So everyone keeps telling me Sherlock, welcome home Enola How did your sister get here before you? My name is Enola And my mother is missing I was never taught to embroider I was taught to fight You have to make some noise If you want to be heard You've become quite the detective, Enola well, that trailer has given away who Enola Holmes is because uh, my question was going to be, is she heading to Sherlock Holmes? So it's Sherlock's younger sister, is it? Yes, indeed, yeah. And, uh, I mean, there was never any uh, reference to, in the books, I think, uh, to the fact that Sherlock had a sister, but then uh, there was no reference either to Mycroft until one of the books when Mycroft, his brother, suddenly appeared at the door. So why not? <laughs> you know, yeah, why, yeah. why couldn't he have uh, had a sister? Uh, the sister, uh, Enola Holmes here in question, is uh, played by Millie Bobby Brown, who was actually the driving force behind the film. She's only, what, 16, 17 years of age? And uh, she had read the books, and she's actually one of the producers of the film. I mean, she was desperate to have this film um, for a long time, but she was told she was too young now at 16 or 17 uh, she was kind of perfect to play the role so if anybody with that kind of intelligence and driving force as a teenager you know if anybody was uh, appropriate to play the role it's her it's Bobby, Bobby Brown who uh, you might have seen in uh, Stranger Things mm. and the story is basically I mean it's 1800 uh, uh, London uh, she's been brought up by her mother her father um, isn't, uh, has passed away uh, for, um, for quite some time and her mother is a modern woman very much, uh, you know, is fighting for the vote, votes for women and is uh, trying desperately, you know, to turn, um, you know, Bobby Brown, Mitty Bobby Brown, away from the kind of social norms of the day and instruct upon her and instill upon her a belief that she can be anything she wants to be. So she teaches her to read. She, 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 she's self-taught. She reads everything. She teaches her how to fight. And so therefore becomes a very kind of a modern woman in a very kind of an old-fashioned kind of uh, Yeah, because time. we're talking about the era where she says there, I, I was never taught to embroider. She would have been taught manners and embroidery and cross-stitch. Exactly. And then one day, her mother disappears. And she doesn't know where she is. She doesn't say goodbye. She just simply disappears. And Mycroft, as then her becomes her legal guardian, wants her to go to a finishing school, uh, which is run here uh, by... Um, um, uh, a woman who, of course, uh, just wants to kind of break her because she sees her as being this kind of free spirit. And so therefore, uh, played by Fiona Shaw, by the way, the Cork actress, oh. and uh, who is terrific and wonderful. But of course, uh, as you can imagine, Enola Holmes uh, will kind of rebel against that as um, she decides to leave uh, by herself runs off to London uh, to try and find her mother. And so it begins to use very much the same kind of uh, sleuthing kind of background and, 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 and kind of education that her mother gave her, that Sherlock has. And so therefore, you know, herself and uh, Sherlock, when they do meet up every now and then, there are, there are some kind of really, really lovely moments between the two of them as they battle against themselves uh, as to kind of to try and even outwit each other as brother and sister to try and locate where their mother is. Uh, where her, and... It's it's beautifully done. It really is, and I, I was very very impressed by it. You know, and especially by Millie Bobby Brown. You know, there's a lot of 
breaking of the fourth wall. There's a lot of little kind of little turns to camera uh, where she'll narrate, you know, what she feels. And and uh, those parts are, are are terrific. London of that time is beautifully kind of reimagined, and all of the performances are really really terrific. And you know, I it was apart from maybe a little section where she kind of meets up with a kind of a young viscount. It was almost like the director and the writers decided, look, you know, she needs a kind of a little kind of romantic kind of. Uh, storyline here, which I think was completely unnecessary and kind of defeats the purpose of her being a kind of a very modern kind of feminist kind of icon. Almost. Mm. And I thought that was a bit of a shame. And uh, that middle section is actually, you know, all of the energy that's in the first quarter of the film kind of dies ever so slightly. And there's a lot of energy there. And luckily and thankfully it does pick up again. I really liked it. I thought it was absolutely terrific. I think it's beautifully directed. Uh, it's directed by a guy uh, by the name of uh, Harry Bradbeer, who kind of comes from that kind of um, that kind of era, you know, he directed uh, the, the Dickensian TV series. He he directed some of the episodes of Grand Chester. So he comes from kind of that background, and it's beautifully recreated. And I thought, it, uh, apart from that dip in the middle, which doesn't last long, uh, I thought it was absolutely terrific. I thought it was very, very entertaining and wonderful. And um, there may be more. And and if there are, and there I'd should be more. There should be more, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And, and Helena Bonham Carter plays the mother. Is it? Uh, Helena Bottom Carter, yeah, there's, no, yeah. there's a lot of kind of ex kind of Harry Potter actors in this. Fiona Shaw is in it, uh, Francis Delatour is in it, uh, Helen uh, Bottom Carter. So all of the performances, as you can imagine, Henry Cavill as Sherlock Holmes is very, very good. He's more restrained, I think, than he normally kind of has been represented in the past. And uh, he has a tendency to mumble sometimes, so I found it difficult to hear what he says. Uh, but apart from that, again, that's only just a, a slight kind of problem that I had. I had very little problems with the whole film. I think it's beautifully done. Okay. I thought it was very entertaining. I thought she, many Bobby Brown, is absolutely terrific. And I love the idea that they cast Fiona Shaw as kind of that headmistress role, because that's the role that she did many years ago in Three Men and a Baby. Remember she it's played? It's very similar yeah, to it, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe, and yeah, she was I brilliant mean, in that. She was brilliant. That brilliant. part was brilliant. Well, she's brilliant in everything she does. Yeah, and, she is, yeah. you know, it's good to see her in, in something like this. And, uh, you know, this is for, and what I can, I can put my hand on heart and say, this is for all the family. Okay. Everybody will enjoy this from young to old. Actually, I haven't seen it, but a couple of our listeners mentioned it. It was a program, it was a movie that was on RT the other night. It's Fiona Shaw again. It, I think it's called Out of Innocence. It's the one about the Kerry Babies. It was oh, made right. in 2016. That was on RT and it's meant to be a powerful piece. But again, it was Fiona Shaw. She's just such a stunning actress. Okay. Uh, Enola Holmes, Mark it out of 10? Uh, I would give it 10, apart from that middle section, which kind of, you know, was a bit dull. Um, so I'll give it a 9. 9, okay. That's but it's well a, worth watching. Well worth watching. Okay, Perfect. Enola Holmes. Okay, and then the second movie you watch for us is a comedy drama called Irresistible. It's uh, kind of a satire on current American politics, oh. which, uh, as you can imagine, is in a slight upheaval uh, <laughs> at the moment. Um, this is written, produced and directed by John Stewart, who those of you who have YouTube uh, will know that, uh, you know, he's a very, very good political kind of satirist and stand-up comedian and has been for a very, very long time. So therefore knows this political world really well. In fact, uh, Brad Pitt is also one of the producers uh, of this uh, film as well. What's interesting, it's about basically spin doctors and the way and the, what they have to try and do to try and gain both, and the kind of incredibly kind of narrow-minded, almost cynical way in which they will do it. And they will spend huge amounts of money to try desperately to, just to try and get a vote for either side, either uh, dem- Democratic or Republican, whether uh, red or blue. Uh, in this moment, uh, as far as this film is concerned, it concentrates mainly on the character of Steve Carell. And Steve Carell is um, is one of the Democratic spin doctors. There's an interesting sequence at the very, very start, which is uh, not a real sequence, it's kind of a dream sequence, where he 
as the split doctor of Burns, let's say, for the Democratic Party, and Rose Byrne uh, for the Republicans basically um, at a kind of a mock kind of press, press conference say, we are spin doctors, we lie. We lie all the time. We lie about everything. We lie about this, that, everything, because that's what we have to do, and that's part of our jobs. Um, but, of course, as I say, that wasn't that was kind of a dream sequence. In reality, of course, they would never admit to that, even though I think we pretty much all pretty much know that that, that does, is the case. That's the reality. Uh, yeah, so this uh, little viral video becomes um, um, uh, very famous and it, it goes uh, all over the world. Chris Cooper plays this character of an ex-colonel who basically at a town meeting says to his town, look, we need to stick together, we need to be together. It's very important that well, we do stick together. And he is, um, Steve Carell, as Gary Zimmer, is very taken by this and decides to go to meet Chris Cooper and say, look, please uh, run for Democratic mayor in this town. And we will do everything we can to try and help you. We will give you as much money as you want. And we will try and make you mayor as you run as part, um, uh, as, as a Democratic candidate. Of course, then the Republicans find that out, and they then send Rose Byrne. And then what starts is basically a satirical look at how the way in which American politics works and the amount of money that they will spend just to try and gain a seat, just to try and get kind of uh, public votes. And... Um, and like Greed a couple of weeks ago, I think it's it's satire which is not biting enough, I think. And if you ask me what the problem is, and that's what it is, it's too, it's almost like a kind of a Frank Capra film. Uh, you know, all the locals are kind of uh, presented as being really sweet and lovely and genuinely loving. Everybody knows who they are and in the town. And like there's even a sequence where two of the bumpkins in the town, for example, had this conversation about the construct of a sentence. And it's just not, it just doesn't bring true to life. And I think that's part of the problem. Like Reed, I think uh, there are occasions when it's just too comedic for its own good, when really you're looking for that biting satire. But it was almost as if, uh, you know, John uh, Stewart was afraid, basically, to portray these people. Uh, and we're basically talking about a, a maybe right-wing kind of Trump-loving kind of town. And he, he didn't want to kind of portray them as kind of just as, you know, some Democrats would as just being kind of stupid and ignorant and, 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 and they don't know what they're doing. But instead, he wanted to portray them as just basically ordinary, decent people um, that just vote um, uh, that way. And, uh, and I think that was a bit of a shame. And that's where a lot of the problems kind of lie for me. I wanted it to be harder hitting than it is. But because of that, um, you know, he's produced a really nice, sweet movie at over two hours it is too long because an hour an hour in i was thinking i'm, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna get through this about an hour and a half bit of cutting i think uh, it would have been way better it's always entertaining because of course steve carell is always worth watching yeah Bones is, is it funny i mean is is it funny at times it is funny and it yeah. is yeah and it is entertaining very much so yeah but i just wanted it to be nastier you know yeah. and that's what it needed to be because that other you know i think bland is the word that a lot of kind of reviewers have kind of um uh. have given this and i think that's about right and i think that's a bit of a shame but it, it i was entertained by it always mm. um but but i just it's too long i think it was as good as it could have been yeah okay mark it out of 10 i'll give it seven seven out of ten and it's called yeah. irresistible okay have a lovely week mark we'll talk next friday you too Thanks for that. Bye bye, Mark Malone, our movie a reviewer. Can I wrap up on some of your texts coming in and calls coming into the programme? This just says, Patricia, it might be a good idea to encourage everyone to start wearing masks when they're out in public. This is practised in other countries and it might help to curb the spread of the virus here. Yeah, And I often wonder, have never discussed that. And is that something that may come in? It's not here uh, yet. 
but it may uh, come in. Okay, some of your texts in. I lost a lady's watch this morning. Oh, we have. That's uh, Mary's contact details. Okay, we will pass. There's a listener reckons it's her watch. Okay, we have it for you, Nora, safe and sound. We'll pass. We'll swap contacts between Nora and Mary and get that that watch that was found this morning uh, back. Patricia, why can't parents, this is to do with trick-or-treating, why can't parents take ownership of their own responsibility with regard to children going trick-or-treating this year? An annoyance, I feel, to older people at the best of times. Never have enough to be doing without coming up with instructing parents to do the obvious with their own children, i.e., keep them away from other people's doors. I fail to see what fun is in it anyway. If a parent thinks that their children deserve so many treats, then buy the treats for them yourself. Keep them in. Enjoy them. Instead of bumming around the locality and possibly spreading bugs, uh, parents need to get more proactive. Entertain your children safely in your own home. That's somebody who obviously never was a fan of uh, trick-or-treating. Well, somebody else, Sheila, is a fan of trick-or-treating. She said, Patricia, I usually have about four groups calling to my house. They love showing off their outfits. I'm going to look out the window and I'm going to leave their treats in a small plastic bag on the windowsill and then I'm going to wave at them, says <laughs> Sheila. So there are ways around it. Patricia, on this, six people into a person's house. Who's going to police this should I now report my neighbour for not obeying the rules, says the West Cork uh, listener. You can complain all you like, but I don't know. The guards can't do much. I mean, if there's a big house party going on, they can call and they can educate and encourage. But we know that the rules and regulations are there. The guard, you can't go into a house and clear people out. They can ask people to leave. And that's what they have been doing in the past. But they can't go in and arrest anyone and they can't take anybody out of the house. That's an individual... Uh, that's in the Constitution. It is some person's home at the end of the day. On metre readings, as regards metre meter readings for your electricity. Somebody in the know. I think they have to do four a year. Yeah, I knew there was an actual number on it. Reading a bill and then when you get your bill, it's described as following. The actual reading by a metre reader will have the word A after the bill. Customer's own reading comes up as CU and an estimated reading will come up with just the letter E. So that's the codes when you get your bill. Thank you. There's somebody who really knows uh, up on stuff when it comes to your metre reading. Eileen is in class this morning, Patricia. Read this, only six people allowed to your house. What if you have a large family of more than six people? Are you expected to leave somebody at home? Is that person going to be isolated away from the large family? Thanking you, says Eileen and Clan. Well, according to the what they are suggesting, and they're asking people to, where possible, to abide by, and in the spirit in which Neffet have released all of these instructions and these guidelines, and they are saying no more than six people. And yeah, if you're a household of 10 and you're going to visit somebody, they're saying that only six of you should go visit the household. I mean, are people going to stick to that? I don't know. But that's what they are recommending that uh, people do. 1850-333-103. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.